around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I was shocked to find out, Ben, that this is the 62nd episode of The Greatest Discovery. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Nope. 62. I thought for sure The Greatest Discovery would be by far our most popular podcast by now. It's not. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, maybe I'm counting the episodes, and I'm wondering if episode 69 is going to be... Oh, the bre- the breakaway <laughs> success. The Picard premiere. Is there any chance wow. of that? That could be. That could be. Wow. Not impossible. We'll do something fun for episode 69 either way. <laughs> yeah, like take a good shower first. <laughs> yeah, really clean up down there. This is a good day to do The Greatest Discovery because there is just a shitload to talk about. Yeah, I think that uh, we didn't, I don't I don't know, maybe you knew and I didn't, but uh, New York Comic Con being a major headwater of Trek news was uh, kind of a surprise to me. Uh, maybe less so to me, only because nothing happened at Star Trek Las Vegas, you know? Right, like, yeah. Like, San Diego Comic-Con, big shit gets announced, nothing at Star Trek Las Vegas, and then boom, New York Comic-Con. We get uh, two trailers. We get a trailer for Picard and a trailer for Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Yeah, and that's the first footage we've seen of that. Uh, Do you want to talk about the, the new trailer first, maybe? Yeah. I've spent a year searching. Very uh, interesting. It kind of makes... It looked like Michael Burnham is alone for quite a long time before the Discovery shows up in the timeline. Yeah, long enough to try out some different hairstyles. Yeah, she goes like full Rihanna by the end of it. If you were to look at a series of photographs of me, uh, you would be hard-pressed to detect any sort of uh, (laughs) passage of time uh, based on my haircut, which has been unchanged for, I don't know, 30 years You've really uh, picked a look and stuck with it in a way that we all admire. <laughs> I don't detect any admiration in that comment at all, Ben. <laughs> uh, there's also some trills in this trailer and some uh, some milk baths. I love this idea, like head cannoning the trill thing. It would seem as though if you were catapulted centuries into the future and you needed to figure out what had happened in the intervening years. The Trill are the, are the perfect people, like as, yeah. as living embodiments of, of a historical record. Right. Perfect spot. And I, I don't think that um, like Dax is supposed to be a thousand years old. Like that seems longer, a longer timeline than Dax exists on, but it's, it's not like way longer. So it seems to stand to reason that maybe there are some symbionts that are uh, able to, you know, fill in some gaps, tell some tell some backstory. We can't rule out Dax, can we? 
I don't think so. Having been in, implanted in, I don't know, eight or nine more bodies since yeah. Esri? It's, it's possible. Um, I uh, read a couple of interviews on trekmovie.com. They they uh, got uh, Mary Wiseman uh, in an interview uh, talking about, you know, like I, one of the most interesting questions they asked her is like about how Tilly has had like a very specific ambition uh, to, you know, be, you know, put in the command training program and then on command track in Starfleet. And now, you know, the entire timeline has been ripped away from her. And I, I think that the actors have to be understandably coy with how they answer questions like that. And I think Mary Wiseman was just like, yeah, like there's like, that's a, a big heavy deal for Tilly. But uh, it really made me see so much interesting potential in how uh, how you deal with going almost a thousand years into the future. And I'm, I was really excited to to speculate about that. That's such an example of this broader problem, right? It's not just that you've left home. Yeah. It's that you've left the context of home in right. any way. And, and I think that like there is, is like we I think talked a lot about in the last season how it seemed like with the existence of the spore drive and a bunch of other things about discovery the season one writers had really set up a timeline problem for (laughs) this show and this franchise and that season two was in a lot of ways about writing their way toward a way for that all to be true but still have you know tng and ds9 and etc etc yeah exist and make sense and i think that they're the way they got there was admirable and really fun and they've set an even bigger challenge for themselves maybe in in pushing the show this far into the future and and the other interview that trek movie got was with um anthony rapp and uh, he confirmed that the spore drive is like a going concern in season three. Like they, they continue to use it. And uh, he said that uh, there was uh, perhaps a, a misconception among fans that the uh, JASEP were saying that the spore drive itself was causing the mycelial network to degrade. And in fact, it was Culber that was causing that. Yeah, that makes sense. Which I, I think that like... That's de- like textually there, but I didn't totally get that. Uh, and you know, like we watched those episodes like at least three times. So, <laughs> Culver's a very sensitive person. I bet he feels awful about that. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I bet he really feels like shit. <laughs> One of the many things he's going to be in therapy about in season three. God, if we're talking like if we're going to stack rank the crew in terms of how badly they've been mind fucked by things. Mm-hmm. I mean, tough not to put Culber near the top there, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, man, also just, like, watching this trailer, like, it's so interesting to think about, like, like where does Giorgio, like, work in, like, is she going to be a loyal member of the crew or, like, somebody that they need to get rid of pretty quickly or what? You know, like pretty sure the statute of limitations on whatever crimes she's committed is <laughs> long over by now, right? There's just so many like people in this crew that I feel like have really interesting baggage. Like we've talked about the TNG crew all being like orphans in one way or another. Yeah, this crew 
they they all have various kinds of baggage and it's all super different and super weird let's see how this plays out shall we yeah they're really doing a good job at the uh infinite diversity and infinite combinations of backstory you know yeah you can really find yourself in this crew no matter who you are i think I'm psyched for the new season coming sometime in 2020, but not before the brand new Star Trek show. Yeah. Ben, it's a new Star Trek. It's Star Trek Picard, and we received a second trailer at New York City Comic Con for it. Picard, the next generation. I think they're doing a good job in these trailers of building mystery and not giving away all the secrets. I think the disco trailers did a good bit of that, and I think it was almost to its detriment. Like, I think it allowed uh, some angry fans to fill the vacuum and control the conversation around it before it came out in an unfortunate way. I don't sense that that's what's happening with the new Picard show, but they are also, uh, as a rule, not really giving us the story here. We're getting glimpses of people and situations in such a way that's really uh, adding to a lot of intrigue. What do you think? I agree with that. I mean, I think that like in 2019, there are a kind of fan that are just looking for things to be angry about. Yeah. And I have detected less of that with Star Trek Picard stuff. And I wonder if that's the studio getting more sophisticated about how you roll this out, like having learned some lessons from the past. Hmm. Or it's that Picard is such a sacred cow among nerds that we're all just excited to get more Picard methadone. You know? Yeah, yeah, that could be it. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. But um Picard's kinda sacred that way, right? Yeah, I I wonder if um, you know, like the uh, the metaphor of the the blind guys describing the elephant to each other, uh, like they they're giving us different angles on what this story is without revealing much at all uh, in in doing so. I had been up until now like cautiously excited for the program. Uh huh. Uh, but at the end, that reveal of Riker and Troy, like it totally caught the back of my throat. Wow! Seeing that and hear him talk and hear and and experience that affection, I just uh, I think we've said it before, but you don't get a second chance to spend time with your favorite TV characters this way. You just don't like. It's been decades since we got to be with them and to be with some of our favorite people in all of TV. And you just think you're, you think you're never going to be with them again. And to get that chance, I just don't see how you can be upset about it without seeing it. I'm, I'm really, really excited more than ever to see this new show. One thing that I experienced watching this trailer that I didn't really in the last trailer is wondering how the show will be structurally Mm -hmm. because there's so many different images in this trailer. Like we see a room full of data looking robots at one point. Uh, We see, you know, like the, the Riker and Troy family home 
at one point. Like we see so many like diverse yeah. places and contexts. We get a little more of Picard's visit to uh, to command. Yeah, and I just wonder, is this going to be a very episodic series or is it going to be a very like long story arc series? I kind of thought after the last trailer, we're going to watch a season of television that's like one cohesive story arc that they start at the beginning and tell over the course of several episodes. But this trailer made me think there's a possibility that it might be more discrete stories that are told within the context of single episodes. Yeah, it sure seems that way to me too. Like, I wonder, I wonder if it's, it's the idea of him getting back into adventuring and it's the kinds of adventures that he had before, but you know, with an older Picard. Yeah, and older Picard is right. Uh, 79 years young for Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Still sword fighting, <laughs> kicking a little ass. Yeah. Maybe he'll get some makeouts happening. You want to see that? Maybe with that dog. <laughs> Maybe with that admiral he's fighting with. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder uh, I wonder if she is meant to be an admiral we've already met. I don't know. I sure felt some things seeing that holographic projection of the D. Yeah. Up there. Yeah. It looked like the the like whale suspended from the ceiling in the Natural History Museum kind <laughs> of a deal. Yeah, that's got to make him feel all kinds of ways. Yeah. <laughs> that guy who checks Picard in at uh, at HQ is like Picard's doing the P I C <laughs> like like spelling it out for him and he's like no no I remember you let Lursa and Bator beat you <laughs> read about it at the academy yeah kind of fucked up actually where do you think I got this uniform <laughs> oh man I'm very very pumped about uh, the new Picard series and that actually has a release date right January 23rd I'm excited to learn a lot more about Picard's rep at his old workplace yeah that's gonna be good very excited yeah. One thing I'm very excited about is that uh, the showrunner for the new Picard program is Michael Shabon, and that allows us to pivot nicely. Oh shit! Into the second half of this greatest discovery episode, uh, because one other thing that dropped on the very same day as these two trailers was the uh, was the surprise drop of a new short treks episode, and it's called Q and A. Really aggressive of CBS to be inflicting all of this uh, of this on us when we were in an off week, you know. You know, in the business, it's called a stealth drop, Ben. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, stealth drop. That's like when you feel like you pushed out a turd, and then when you look in the bowl before you flush, you're like, "Where is it?" It went all the way down the hole, probably. <laughs> it got a head start. Yeah. This is an episode that uh, is in the TOS, like, pre-the-cage timeline. This is Spock's first day on The Entrepreneur that uh, that we're talking about here. A nice mix of POV and third person here initially, which I thought was neat. It really puts you in the place of Spock on his first day of work and yeah. and how nervous he's got to be. What do you think is up with the transporter room he's in? In this in this opening moment, 
I would ask to use a different transporter if this were the one that I was escorted to. <laughs> it doesn't look safe. I'd be like, so the Enterprise is the one like controlling this, right? They're they're beaming me up more than you're beaming me up there, correct? <laughs> I mean, because otherwise I can just take a shuttle. I think I'd rather take a shuttle. Like they go for a close up on his hands put together in the like in the like finger pointing forward thumbs together Spock hands at rest pose and more than ever it looked like he was just praying for dear life <laughs> praying that those hands don't turn into a mist in a couple of seconds <laughs> yeah. yeah the uh that reference to the cage Ben is apt because we're going to get a lot of cage era Spock here uh, because it includes this sort of half smile that he's got as the transporter beam begins, and also Shouty Spock, who yeah. was a real concern in the Cage episode. Yeah, he was. Uh, it was a very, a very shouty man in that episode, and uh, very Rob Schneider from Down Periscope. It's a rust bucket. It's a shit box. <laughs> yeah, and n- number one uh, quickly tries to convince him to dial that back yeah um but uh it's a very like dreamlike sequence and that and that shoutiness kind of like breaks that spell and then it becomes clear that this is like his first day aboard and he's like he's a super green ensign that is going to be kind of inculcated into the crew by number one i got the sense like when when they go in for a close-up on her uh, when he first beams aboard, and and there's a very like significant facial reaction in that shot that I went back and forth on. Like initially, I was like, "Wow!" Like number one thinks Spock is a snack, and then like after watching the episode, I was like, "Oh no!" Like it wasn't that it wasn't that it was that she was reacting to the fact that he had a bit of a grimace on, mm. and and was identifying more a platonic kindred spirit in that grimace. Yeah. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, no, she wants to fuck him. (laughs) I don't know if I buy that dude. I'm not, I'm not buying that one bit. I should say. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, I think I want to fuck him. (laughs) I think she's bemused by him. And her expectations of what he would be are are immediately shattered by the reality of him. She clearly wants to fuck Pike. That doesn't mean she doesn't want to fuck him also. She's, all right, I get that. She's fairly omnivorous as it, as it comes to that. All right. Yeah. She likes the super straight cut of his bangs. <laughs> Do you think that Spock has straight pubes? <laughs> 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 oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> like logistically that would be the worst kind of pube, right? Yeah, he has he has to like part them in the middle to to branch them around. Oh, the he's got he's got to use mustache wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. I think she's not wrong. I think Ethan Peck is really hunky. It's tough like he's so hunky that like he sexualizes Spock in a way that that is difficult to suppress you know right right and like he's stacked you can tell that under the uniform 
I didn't notice this till like later in this episode, but like when he gets onto the bridge, there are a couple of shots where you can kind of see his whole body and like he's got like he's got like a butt and like nice calves and stuff. Like <laughs> like Nimoy was just so like lanky that you never really like thought of his body under his under his costume. That's a great observation. Like when you think of of OG Spock, when you think of Leonard Nimoy Spock, all you ever think of is his face. Yeah. I expect you to barrage every crewman you meet with questions starting. Number one is doing that thing that new bosses do with new employees, which is encourage curiosity. Like you've you've made it this far, but one last thing to do is is pepper me with questions. Right. Like, I want to know what you want to know. And I think this is a thing that manager types do to further get to know new employees. Like, on the surface, this looks like a new person getting information about an established organization. But what this is doing also is giving, number one, uh, greater depth of knowledge into Spock by virtue of the types of questions that he'll ask here understanding the contours of his curiosity so she's she just says like like never stop asking questions and so he starts with you know like tell me about pike tell me about the ship tell me about yourself tell me what your name is questions but then starts getting like more philosophical like have you ever noticed that the prime directive is morally indefensible (laughs) that was an amazing moment yeah I love to see the Prime Directive getting dragged on Star Trek. This is a, a, a fight I've been I've been championing since we started our podcasting careers together. It's true. I like how similarly that they think about that and a lot of other things. Like clearly, number one agrees with Spock. Yeah, like I like I'm not gonna fight you on the merits of that argument, but I will say you need to shut that line of questioning down. That's almost the bridge too far in terms of their relationship. Like you can bond, a subordinate and a manager can bond over uh, their feelings about many issues, but there are hot button issues that they can't talk about in the workplace. And that seems to be one of them here with number one and Spock. You can't question the prime directive. Speaking of which, like their dynamic in this is really like zero to 60 intimate. I thought that that was an interesting choice in the contemporary context in which this episode is coming out and stuff like for your, like you as a dude employee with a female boss to have your female boss up on your shoulders, like to essentially have your, your boss's genitals pressed against your neck. Yeah. To be electrocuted with those genitals touching your neck. Yeah. And what that's got to feel like? That's the uh, that's your first 20 minutes in your new gig. Yeah. <laughs> like Spock has gotten number 1's pee on the back of his neck. <laughs> that's happened. That's yeah. canonical trek. Yeah. Write it down. Write it down in the canon, wiki editors. Number 1 says something later on that I think uh is emblematic of this whole thing. With regard to his freaky, she observes that he is someone that is challenged to keep his freaky to himself. And I think if you were a person with some freaky, 
that you're suppressing personally, I think it may be more easy for you to recognize that suppression in other people. Hmm. She has freaky dar. Yeah, and I think that's one of the main reasons that they have such great rapport right away and and what bonds them in this kind of intimacy yeah. almost immediately. Like, who is more clenched than number one ever? Yeah. It's, it might be Spock, and she yeah. knows it. So that's, I think, the reason that they're, they're getting down to it so quickly. It's that and the instant pot that is a stuck elevator. Yeah. Because that's the premise of this episode, is that Spock comes aboard the entrepreneur, walks down a hallway with number one, and then they get stuck in the elevator. Yeah. And there is always a Scottish engineer on the radio, on the entrepreneur... This time it's a lady Scottish engineer, but uh, yeah, they so they spend the middle, you know, four fifths of the episode stuck in this elevator. Feel like they're going through engineers on the entrepreneur uh, until they find one that that has a little better grasp of brevity, because <laughs> this one just chirps and chirps and chirps, and yeah. I think all of the enterprise engineers that we've met in this timeline have been that way. Yeah, she's like, you're giving me 10 fingers of brevity, and I want nine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, could use a little less of that. (laughs) Just dial it back, 10%. Turns out that number one's freaky is a classic Star Trek version of freaky. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Star Trek Freaky is not real world freaky. Star Trek Freaky is an interest in Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> you know? Did Jordy not do Model of a Modern Major General at some point? He did. It was a play that Beverly Crusher was directing on the cruise ship Enterprise. <laughs> and Jordy sang it. I am the very model of a modern major general. I have information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. No, I, I can't. I can't. That's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, a great callback, and great that Spock is there for it. It feels like an almost skull and bones thing. Like, yeah. at the academy, there was a secret society. The initiation for that society is the memorization and singing of this song. You have to think that in the Kirk era, Spock is now the the chancellor of that society. Yeah. Because Kirk, Kirk is for sure not involved. So Spock is is keeping that torch lit. What is it like to beam aboard as, you know, Scotty's nephew with the kielbasa <laughs> rolled up on your belly and Spock starts doing show tunes? <laughs> uh, gotta believe you're going to be killed nine out of ten times. Yeah. <laughs> On a future mission. Spock has a long list of ensigns that have just gone into space on his watch, and everybody's like, I wonder what that's about. We do get a little bit of Pike. That the new boot? Yeah, friend of the show, Anson Mount, ends our episode. This is after they get the power back to the transporter. So number one gets shocked by a bunch of Worf lightning. She goes down. Not long after, they're able to pop the top hatch, and uh, they're able to escape their turbo lift coffin and the button on the episode occurs on the bridge and uh yeah spock is asked like do vulcans feel awe and it's this opportunity for him and (laughs) spock reaches to the back of his neck like wipes it and smells it 
<laughs> Indeed, Captain. It's good to have a sexy experience. If you're into into neck sex stuff, that's fine. That's fine. As long as that neck sex stuff isn't breath play. We don't condone breath play on this program. As long as enthusiastic consent is a an element of that neck sex, you get the greatest discovery thumbs up. <laughs> the seal of approval. Yeah, it looks like that is what Spock is seeking to get from Pike here. Uh, the like your first day on the job, you want to say everything right, and crucially, I think you want to say as little as possible yeah. around your new boss. And that's yeah. what Spock does here in answering this question. It's such an interesting thing with Spock because we know what it, how important it is to him to perform the lack of ego, but. The lack of ego doesn't mean the lack of ambition. And it's so fun to see him like as just like the most junior guy on the bridge, like making the case for his existence there. Yeah. And that ambition is brought up in the turbo lift earlier when number one calls him on his bullshit about not wanting a command. That was a good moment. I loved that. Like suppress your freaky is something you have to do if you have a long view toward the captain's chair, not if you just want to have a great career in Starfleet. Like, you can be a weird motherfucker and have a great career in Starfleet. Yeah. They take all comers. But if if, if you're going to get trusted with, like, command decisions in people's lives, they want you to be normal <laughs> in whatever way that term is defined. Yeah, so hide your interest in musical theater... And they are both going to sneak into the captain's chair, right? <laughs> despite their, despite their show tune affiliations. Yeah. Well, did you like this episode, Ben? I really liked it. I think that more than anything is is here to make the case for the Pike number one Spock Star Trek show that they have flirted with announcing. I think this is an example of a cliche story being super well done. You know, like the put our characters in a elevator that's stuck is a tale as old as time, right? It's a very 20th century problem to have. But uh, it's so well done here and the dialogue is so sharp and interesting. I think it's... I think it's handled really well. I think that's a great way of thinking about it is it's a trope salad that is somehow greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. And like, this is the primary thing that's giving me big time hope for Picard as a series is that I think Shabon is like really interested in taking super well trodden story, story stereotypes and building interesting shit out of them. Mm. I kind of think that this is like what his his novel career is based on, and the couple of examples we've seen of him writing a, a thing for short tracks have been really good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you can make a 15-minute short track that's just in a turbo lift capsule, you can do a Star Trek show that is just Pike, Spock, and number one, and that bridge set. Yeah. You can make hours and hours of a show there. 
Yeah. Hope they do. Dude, like just the chemistry between those three actors is so fun that I would love to watch just for that. Friend of the show, Anton Mount, I mean, gets very little to do in the short treks, but felt good to see him again. Yeah, absolutely. He's great. He's part of the family. He's, I like his pike because he seems capable of some ball busting, but of the kind that is not going to make the other person feel bad, you know? Like he understands Spock is different. He understands Spock is not comfortable ad easing and he lets that fly. He doesn't shame him into ad easing. That's a Kirk thing. Yeah. Well, one way in which we are always sentimental on our show is through the reading of our Priority One messages. Do you want to see if we have any of those? I do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Adam, we have a Priority One message here. It is from Michael, son of William. And it's for (laughs) Krista Shrimp Colgar. Son of Jackson Stoner, I see that Mark has already accepted. Kapla, I also accept your offer to serve as a member of the Dustbuster Club at your wedding and help restore honor to your house. The Patak Cal also accepts if you send him a $666 Sears gift card. He is without honor. Pat says, 69. Nice. That, that nice was me. That was Yeah, that was editorial nice. That was editorial Kern nice at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet Kern loves chowing down on that box. <laughs> yeah. He's an honorable man, you know? Great honor and oral. <laughs> wow. Uh, the uh, the Christar Shrimp Kolgar saga continues. Can't wait to hear about this wedding. Yeah, me neither. Please keep us informed. Uh, you can do that by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where uh, wedding announcements and messages are $100, and commercial messages are $200, both of which go a long way to supporting the production of The Greatest Discovery. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in below-the-kilt care. 
I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself at Drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm going to give it to... I, I had a double Shimoda, honestly, <laughs> and it's... Awful and shameful. Ah, oh. but it's Spock in number one, and it's just the the shot of them standing chest to chest when the when the hatch opens on top of the turbo lift, and they look up through the hole. Like I never don't laugh at people looking through windows in television and movie and <laughs> in, in movies. Like it always makes me laugh, and uh, and this shot was no exception. Uh, I just, I just love the uh, the porthole effect there, and and how like whatever ensign that was that rappelled down the turbo shaft to rescue them, like clearly knew what was going on. <laughs> it's a great example of camera close versus real life close too, right? Yeah, because yeah. no two people stand four inches away from each other in the way that they do. That's a great observation about the composition here in this scene, like. 90% of it is in that turbo lift. How do you make it look interesting? And I yeah. think they did a pretty good job. They did a great job. Did you have a drunk Shimoda? I think I'm just going to give mine to number one here because she doesn't have to let the veil fall 
She chooses to. And everything we know about her up until now, you know, is to come. Like yeah. this is a this is a an er version of her. Right. That clearly she is able to keep the freaky to herself in a more controlled fashion in the right. episodes that we see her later on. But like she's not doing the thing that she's advising Spock to do, and it is strange to see her so willing to let that freaky fly. I think anytime you let the freaky fly, you are a candidate for drunk Shimoda. And so uh, for that reason, I'm going to give it to her. Very nice. I think she deserves it. <laughs> uh, yes, we are aware that there uh, are multiple short treks out at this moment in time, but we are going to kick the next short treks episode into the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Yeah, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We also have some uh, Discovery comics to review, and I think uh, I think we'll be on top of those as well. But uh, these there there is now a release schedule for these short treks, so we'll be we'll be working against that release schedule. And I think is the next episode of Greatest Discovery next week. Is that the plan? That's right. So the week after this episode drops, we will release another episode in the subsequent week about the other short treks. And then afterwards, we will be back to our every other week schedule so we can align our show with the short treks as they come. Because we want to make sure that our episodes are as close to those as possible so that we can review them before too much time passes. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm really pumped about it. I'm also really pumped, Adam, about the big tour we have coming up for the Greatest Generation. We just dropped a uh, an episode of the of Greatest Gen Con from last year uh, because we are taking Greatest Gen Con two colon Star Trek three out on tour, and uh, we thought it would be nice to give people the uh, the episode preceding it in the in the main feed so if you're a donor you can get the atlanta episode and if you're not a donor you can get the dc episode but uh they're they're both really great versions of that performance and uh we are going to be taking our star trek 3 episode out on tour and uh that's coming up real soon we've got eight dates if you go to greatestgentour.com you can see them all yeah coming out of the cold Fill yourself with the warmth of laughter. Yeah. I've always said it's the it's the warmest thing, right? Laughter? Yeah. Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Portland, Oregon, L.A., Boston, Toronto, Houston, Austin. Are our announced dates in 2019. All the greats. So we'll see you out there. Go to greatestgentour.com. Get your tickets. And with that, we'll hand the show over to Rob's. See you next week on The Greatest Discovery. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. 
Thanks. We'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.